Hello, hello. Welcome to the Making a Marketer podcast, the show for all levels of experience with the best guests in the industry. Get ready to learn and laugh. Here we go. Hello, hello. I am Megan Powers at Megan Powers on Twitter with Powers of Marketing, and we are Making a Marketer. Hello, I am Jen Cole, Community Manager for Social Media Examiner and co-founder of Depict Media, and this is Making a Marketer. Hello, I am Julie Riley, and I am guest hosting this week, and I am co-founder of Depict Media and Community Moderator for Social Media Examiner. And this is Making a Marketer. Perfect. I'm going to share our sponsor real quick, and then we'll get into who our fantastic guest is here on episode 27. They were talking Facebook advertising, and our sponsor is Powers of Marketing. Basically, we provide strategic marketing help to any business that wants to grow their leads and grow their sales as a result. So our guest today is Oz Real of Rats Pack Media. He is the king of Facebook ads, and he lives in Israel, which is interesting given that I just learned how to say his name properly and it sounds kind of like Israel, which is, so <laughs> we'll get into that a little bit. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Very excited. So who else to have but the king of, of Facebook ads when talking about Facebook advertising? We are going to... I would not think there's a better person. Not just a... <laughs> <laughs> um, you and uh, Amanda Robinson go toe to toe, but we've had her on the show quite a bit. And so we want to get your perspective, but Absolutely. try not to get... To not get too far into the weeds today, we want to keep it okay. Okay, you know, under like not too. Yeah, we don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole. Um, so lose people. Got it. So I'm just to read your bio real quick. So through his years of experience in online marketing, he has perfected his strategy for companies to find their ideal audiences and create the most relevant ads for their businesses. So his process is called FEO: Find, Engage, Optimize. Begin by finding the right audience, engage that audience with the best possible ads, and then optimize those ads to get the best possible results. And his website on that is feo.talkaboutads.com. Perfect. Well, I'm excited. I Full disclosure, this is my kryptonite. Facebook ads is my kryptonite. Like I want it, understand it, and I dig into it and I don't, I just, I'm not very good at it. So it's one of those things that I punt to someone else for my clients because you should do what you enjoy as well, right? And I don't like being that's, cool. <laughs> that's what I do for every other part of my business. So that's perfect. <laughs> yeah, this and SEO are kind of my two, like, yeah, probably somebody else would, would be best. So I'm curious, we talked a little bit before we got on air about, you know, it's just been a few years that you've been, this has been your business emphasis right? So I started in online marketing in 2012 and I was doing Facebook ads for that business. Okay. But I only started my own business in 2015. The comment that we were making was that I never got to be on Blab because by the time I really got into social media, Blab was dead already. So like I was doing social media, but I wasn't creating a personal brand on social media. So I never really got on like Meerkat. Yeah. Unfortunately, missed it by just that much. Yeah. <laughs> All the ones. All the dead platforms. All yeah. of those. Missed them all. So what made you pick this niche within social media or, or did it pick you? Well, so when I started, the business I was working for had an email list, an iPhone app, and a Facebook page. That was what we had. And what we realized was that the best place to sell people was the email list. The problem was we had no really good way of growing the email list. So what I noticed was that 
if we use polls on Facebook, we could get crazy reach. You know, back in the good old days of Facebook, that's when I was on Facebook doing organic polls. And essentially what we do is we just take a really hot topic in the news and say, what is your opinion on this? Yes or no. And no matter what you gave, in order to fill out the poll, you had to give your email address. So we were getting hundreds of emails for free every day with Facebook. And my boss came to me and he said, what would happen if we just you know, spend some money on these ads? So we ended up doing, in about a five or six month period, we did 100,000 emails, signups through Facebook ads for 21 to 23 cents per email. And then we would make $1.25 year over year with that e- those emails we got. So I've been out of the business since 2015. And in the last three and a half years, they've still generated $1.25 on average from an email that we paid for 21 cents back in 2013. Wow. So, And then it was like, this really works. We should do this for other companies. And here I am doing it for other companies. Okay. So then you've also seen it evolve, right? Like you, it wasn't as complicated when you first started as it is now, right? It's kind of been this evolution. I actually thought it was more complicated then. Oh, okay. But let's say this. A few years ago, I want to say it was like mid-2016, Facebook capped the number of ads you could have in a single ad set to 50. And so someone would say, well, why in the world would you want more than 50 ads in an ad set? And I said, well, back in the good old days, I was doing 250 ads in every ad set. And those evil engineers at Facebook limited the number of ads to only 50 ads, which gives like, that's way less testing than I used to be doing. So I think that like the limits they placed on the platform has actually made it more difficult. All right. Well, so I want to know, and I kind of, I, I hope this doesn't put you on the spot too much, but it's something that I think about. And I, I think that Julie thinks about this too, because she does the paid part of depicted media's client work. So since Facebook owns Instagram and oftentimes, you know, the paid strategies can be interwoven, especially now they're making it so much easier. How involved are you in supplementing an Instagram ad strategy to a Facebook ad strategy with your clients? So one of the things I noticed for a lot of advertisers is that they, they have this like desire to separate every type of ad into its own like ad set. So I talk to people, every mobile and desktop ad is separate and every Instagram and Facebook ad is separate. And, and then they start like creating special ads for every like person. And it's pretty unnecessary. Well, I mean, it's only unnecessary because of the way I test, which is just test every possible image at the same time, and then Facebook will do the work for you. So essentially what I do is I almost always start on automatic placement. I let Facebook choose where to place things because the more opportunity you let them to choose, the less you pay. Because if they can say, oh, the image you're choosing, you know, image one is way higher quality than image two, because you've given us both options, we're going to charge you less money to show you show this ad to your, your audience. Oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. So first you need to know is that Facebook is actually shifting over the recommended image size on Facebook to also be a square. So if you were creating ads in Facebook that were, you, you, no one can see my hands because this is only audio, but in portrait mode, that 1200 by 628 size image, that is actually not the recommended size for images anymore. The recommended size is a square. So a square is the same number twice. They tell you it's 1080 by 1080, but really just like more than 1080. I do just stick to 1800 by 1800. That's a good, that's a good pixel size. Okay. 1800 by 1800. And once you're doing that, it means your Facebook ads and your Instagram ads are the same image because Facebook 
and Instagram now have the same recommended image size, which means that if you're creating an ad for Facebook and your audience also happens to be on Instagram, Facebook will do the work, Facebook ad platform, will do the work of finding those people on Instagram as well and getting them to see your ad. Yeah, absolutely. That You know, that's really helpful for me, from my standpoint. I know Julie probably already knows a lot about this, but I'm going to go ahead and hand it over to her. But I am learning already. Thank you. <laughs> and for me, ads are my happy place. They're where I want to spend the majority of my time during the day. But working with so many of our clients, and we do a lot of coaching, teaching them how to go about what questions should they be asking themselves before they begin to run their ads and really launch and spend that money? A lot of questions. <laughs> I wrote a post, I want to say it was about six weeks ago, with 28 questions to ask yourself before running Facebook ads. Somewhere in there on my Facebook feed, good luck finding it. I only made about a thousand posts since then, so it shouldn't be too difficult. So the first question you have to ask yourself is, who are my clients? Who actually buys from me? That's question number one. If you can't answer that question, you likely shouldn't be running Facebook ads. From there, you want to say, okay, now that I know who they are, where are they spending their time? And most people immediately start asking like, well, is it Facebook or Instagram or Pinterest or Twitter? No. What I'm asking is like, do they hang out in grocery stores or go to like, like uh, restaurants? Do they like go to the movies a lot, right? Like if you can start thinking, how do they spend their day, right? And you're like so worried about trying to figure out if you should run on like, you know, po like promoted pins on, on Pinterest. But meanwhile, like you don't even know that they like love sushi and go there all the time. And if you just like showed up at the sushi store and hung a little sign, you probably sell to them very well. So you now, now that you know who they are and where they spend their time, you then want to ask, what are my potential purchasers' largest pain points? What are the things that agitate them the most? Now, shift from there to, does my product relate to any of those pains? And can I connect my product to the solution of one of their major pain points in life? So a great example of this is, you know, a sales coach and you help people do sales. But the problem is that the people that you're coaching, one of their main problems is they never get leads in their business. They're not bringing in leads. So you can be the greatest salesman of all time, but if you never get on the phone, you can't sell anything. So if I could start off by pressing your main problem, which is you don't bring in leads, and then I could say, as a sales coach, not only am I going to help you with the actual phone call, but I'm even going to help you create a system that sorts, organizes, and amplifies your ability to find your target market and get them on the phone, right? So you're now addressing their major pain points before you've ever, we're still not talking about ads. We're still just talking about like the macro understanding of this is something my people care about and I'm going to help them solve their biggest problem. Now, the next question we want, what number are we up to now? Six, uh, who knows? So what we now want to ask is now that we know that this is their problem and we know how to talk to them, what stages do they have to go through to go from, I don't know who the heck you are to I'm prepared to buy anything that you sell. And for a lot of different businesses, this could look a lot different. For example, about an hour ago, I, was, I, I got contacted by a guy who runs karate studio for kids. And he's like, I want to run Facebook ads. So I was like, okay, how do people find your studio regularly? <laughs> And he said, well, normally they're like walking down the street and they see the sign, they walk in like, wow, this looks really great. I should send my 10 year old. And you're like, well, that's fantastic. We actually have a slot on Friday at 1 p.m. available 
for your free trial. And from there, they come to the free trial. The kid's like, this is amazing. And then they come and they sign up and they're paying. Great. Fantastic. So now you want to say, well, how do I adapt that to an ad strategy? So what the first thing you want to do is you want them to experience as if they're walking past the store, right? Walking past the, the studio and they're seeing all those people, you know, like with their arms on their sides like this. And then they're doing the little punch thing, you know, talking about all those people with their kids in karate. Right. And, and like that kid, like that walks around in a circle and does like, hi, yeah, hot, whatever. Okay. We're going the wrong direction. Mom, so yeah. <laughs> and I'm running ads for my karate <laughs> studio. They are a client. You should see how much you you're don't know how right much. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like doing this exact thing. And from there, you're literally showing them like, this is what it looks like when you walk in and like all the kids are like there and they put their backpacks down and they're like, you know, they're going to do their homework later. It's going to be great after they're all having fun with their friends, all this stuff. And then you say at the end, like, hey, do you want to try this out? Click a time that works for you to come in for your free trial lesson. So you're literally taking what is the organic, ordinary experience of the person that might buy your product and creating an, a series of ads that does exactly that. Now you shift to the last question, which is where are these people at any given point in the funnel and what do I have to get them to do to move just one step further down? And if I can construct exactly what that person looks like, where they are in the funnel, what they're thinking about, what they've already seen, what they need to see, and what my goal is at the end, I can literally just set up this series of ads one after the other. And I no longer have to like, there's no, like everyone's like wondering like, how long should my ad be? What type of video should I make? Well, I just answered every single question. You already know who it is you're targeting, what stage they are up to in the funnel and what type of ad they need to see to just move one stage farther down the funnel. So I think we're up to like question 11. You can That's find out more qu questions somewhere else. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, obviously those are all key questions. And I think if you start with those main ones, then you're going to be on, on the right path for sure. Yeah. So what do you think is the number one mistake that most marketers make with their Facebook advertising? They don't test enough. Okay. You're not, I mean, I know you test 50 at once, but let's <laughs> give like real world, you know, Jill off the street, starting to do Facebook ads. Like what do you think is a good testing amount? Okay. There are six audiences for most businesses, five, but six audiences that are most likely your highest quality buyers. The six are your email subscribers, your website visitors, your Facebook page likes, your Facebook page engagement, your Instagram page engagement. And the bonus one is your Facebook friends. Okay. So those are the six audiences that are know who you are, know what you do, know what you sell, but haven't bought. Okay. Now, if they're small, you could probably just run ads to all of them at the same time, right? If you have like a hundred friends on you know, like a hundred Facebook page likes, so you like say, well, if you have a hundred page, page like you probably have like 45 email subscribers and you know, a thousand people on your website, the audience isn't that big. When you start getting to bigger numbers and you have 10,000 Facebook page likes and you have a hundred thousand website visitors and you have 5,000 email subscribers, the question now becomes, which of these five is the best audience? Do you know the answer to that question? Most people don't No, is my email. Like when I'm running ads, who is the best of these five audiences? Now, if you can't answer that question, when I start asking you, well, which of the five lookalike audience? Because guess what? Every one of those things I said, you can create a lookalike audience to that audience. Which of the five lookalikes are the best five? I don't know. Right. Now, let's imagine if I started making interests and I said, well, my, my, I could start listing five or six interests that my email subscribers have that are different than my 
Facebook likes that are different than my website visitors. So now I have this series of interest-based targeting, like sections of interest-based targeting, which which five interests are the best targeting options for, for potential audience? Do you have any idea what the answer to that question is? So now we started easy, like, right, it's just your five audiences. But then those five audiences turn into 10 audiences, right. which turn in the end into like, 25 different audiences. So I'm not telling you to test them all, but what you should know is at least you could tell me which of these five audiences, emails, Facebook likes, Facebook page engagement, or website visitors, which is the best audience and what type of ad is the one that gets them to buy. And I don't have to spend a thousand dollars a month to find that question out. I could spend $10 a day, test three versions of ad to those five audiences. And in a week, I can tell you that these five audiences saw three versions of the ad. Version two was the best. Do you know how much information I just found out? I found out which audience is the best audience and which ad is the one that they engage the most with. Now, when I start targeting all those lookalikes and interests and geographic targeting and who knows what I end up doing in the end, I now know which is the best performing ad for my best performing audience. Right. And I can start building out additional things from there. And then you end up with 50 ads in every ad set and gets complicated from there, but we're going to talk about that part. Yeah. You're doing a very good job of keeping <laughs> keeping it a totally understandable. Thank you so much. Thank you. Ladies. So Azrael, tell me what type of content do you find is performing the best in the Facebook ads world? Okay. So I have a problem with that question. <laughs> what does the best mean? Well, you know, I think that this is, might be a little bit of a t- trick question. <laughs> Because there are a lot of different industries out there, but I would like to, I think what I would like to hone in on is maybe media type. Okay. Facebook charges less for videos than images, but does that mean that I should always run a video? Does that mean that every video is appropriate for every scenario? No, it doesn't. Does it mean that an image will never outperform a video? It doesn't mean that either. What I will say is that companies tend to use an inappropriate video at different parts in the funnel. So we went through our 28 questions of, you know, what type of ads, literally every question you have can be answered in the 28 question survey thing. So basically you want your five audiences, you mentioned emails, Facebook likes, website visitors, so on and so on. You want them to buy your product, right? So we've already established they've been to your website. They're on your email list. They know what you're selling. They know what you do. They they think you're an expert. It's amazing and fantastic. But they've never bought from you. Why have they never bought from you? And the answer might simply be, they don't know you have a product for sale. So imagine for a second where we took that exact thing I just talked about, $10 a day running to your best possible audience. And I literally took out my phone, picked it up and said, hey, this is a Raz. I just made this amazing thing. I don't want to get into details here. It's all on the landing page. Click below to learn more. Video's over. 15 seconds, right? What ends up happening is someone takes out their phone and goes like, oh my gosh, guys, I have this amazing thing. Let me tell you about it. It's so great. And I could tell you all these things. And you end up like, like a 75-minute video. And no one's watching your 75-minute video on Facebook. Yeah. And you never get to your point that you're actually trying to do this thing. And these people are the people that know you and want to click and buy but they're too busy watching for 12 minutes where you never get to the point. Right. So if I could make a video that is 10 seconds long, and then the only thing left for them to do is click to the landing page and buy my product, then they'll do it. But if I'm on the other side of the funnel, which is someone has no idea who I am and they don't know what I'm selling and they don't know who, like they don't know why I'm an expert or what I'm an expert in. And I say, Hey guys, this is real res. You should buy my thing. And they're like, who are you? So instead, what I have to do is I have to start off by going, 
I have this amazing tip, guys. I figured out how you could run ads to your Facebook friends on Facebook ads. It's insane. Here's how you do it. You make a fake Facebook page and you like it. You don't tell anyone else to like it, just you. And then you run ads to all the friends of likes on the Facebook page. But you're the only like. Isn't that crazy? So you just made like a two-minute video that gave the most amazing tip ever, which is that thing I just said, where you can now target your Facebook friends online. It's crazy. I know. I'm still amazed by how amazing it is. So at that point, you now have this video. You're targeting totally cold audiences, and you're giving them a tip they could start using right now in their Facebook ads, start getting results, and finding probably their best audience to target with a product because the people are their friends on Facebook. Now, that video is really appropriate for an audience that might not know you. So essentially, depending on where the person is in the funnel and what they have to know, there's a different type of video that has to be shown to them in that period of time. And you have to know how to design that video to do that thing you want them to do. Because guess what? One of the objectives you might have is, I know no one buys from me until they watch 10 minutes of my content, right? So imagine if I set up a three video series where the only way they can get to video three is if they watched 25% of video one and 25% of video two, then they get to see video three. And then anyone who watches just 10 seconds of video three gets targeted with my, hey guys, I have a thing for sale, you should go buy it. So now what I've just done is I've, again, mirrored the exact organic process of how people are buying using a Facebook ad, and I'm creating the ability for them to achieve my milestone, which is 10 minutes of content. And now it's appropriate for me to create a 15 second long video that tells them time to take action is now, click to read more on my landing page. So the answer to the very simple question of what is the best type of content for Facebook ads is know your audience, make ads for where they are, and they will do the thing you want them to do. Easy peasy. Absolutely perfect. <laughs> You're kind of the answer, but I love the way that you explained that. That was absolutely brilliant. Thank you. So the ads have been run. The ads are finished. They're done. And the person is sitting there and they are just frustrated that they don't know what's going on with their ads. So what kind of metrics and analytics should someone be looking at to determine the results of their ads? So remember we talked, well, Megan talked right at the beginning of the show about this thing called FEO. This is the O in FEO. So basically there's four metrics. I only care about four metrics. Context. I only care about four metrics for a conversion-based ad. That's the context. Uh, number one, data point number one is CPM. For those who are not familiar, that means cost per 1,000 impressions. Now you're going to ask me, well, what's a good cost per 1,000 impressions? I have no idea. I've been doing this for a long time. There's a million dollars. Okay, a million dollars per 1,000 impressions. Fantastic. No, I have no idea what the number is. It's impossible for me to tell you. So what you should know is that when you're going to run ads, you're going to see around the same amount every time you run ads. It'll fall into like this ballpark of between $10. Like, is $8 good? $8 is great. Is $13 good? $13 is great. Is $27 good? Sure, $27 is great. I don't know. Like, it really depends on who you're targeting, what you're targeting them for, and what you're doing. Like, I can't answer the question. So what I'm going to tell you is that you want a ballpark at number. You want to know when I run ads, I get $13 CPN. Great. So now every time you run ads, you're going to shoot for the $13 CPNs. But the question that you need to ask is, what is the number 13 telling me? Because that's what you need to know the answer to. And that is, when you run ads on Facebook, Facebook charges you by impression, which means they're looking at a whole bunch of stuff and they're deciding your ad is worth you paying $13 cents for a thousand, $13 for a thousand impressions. But what do they base that on? So 
The answer is a whole lot of things that are way too complicated to get into, but two that matter, which is one, who you're targeting, and two, what you're targeting them with. Two, just two things. Who are you? Who is the audience you're targeting? And what does the actual ad look like? And based on those two metrics, Facebook's looking at your ad and the targeting and saying, you know, I don't really think these people like your ad or will like your ad, or we're going to show it to a few people. We notice they don't like your ad. We're going to charge you more for it. So if you now have the data that Facebook is charging you more, again, more based on whatever that number was that you were, you're like base, you know, like baseline number, they're charging more. It means Facebook either thinks the audience is bad or the ad is bad. Right. Amazing. So what you need to do is figure out which one. But it's actually a really easy process because remember before we we're talking about how I make 50 versions of the ad and how I test all of these different audiences against each other. And I'm able to see I have 10 ad sets and 20 ads in every ad set. I'm not going to get into it, Megan. I already know that's what you're asking. I'm not getting into it. So essentially what ends up happening is you're now running your email subscribers and your Facebook likes and your website visitors. Did I said that one twice. No, I didn't. And your lookalike audience. And they're all in their own ad set. And all you have to do is just go to the ad set and see, huh, some of them are high and others are low, which means that some of the audiences are good and some of the audiences are bad because some are high and some are low. But what if they're all high? Because if you're targeting your email subscribers and website visitors and Facebook likes and page engagement and, and lookalike audiences and interests, and they're all high, it's probably not the audiences. It's probably the ad. So you only have to look at this one number, and I can already tell you from just looking at a series of numbers and the audiences you're targeting, if it's the ad that's the issue or the audiences that that's the issue. And then you tweak, right? So if it's the ad, great, try another ad. If it's the audience, try another audience. That was number one. That was data point number one, okay? <laughs> <laughs> data point number two is CPC, or in English, cost per click. What's a good cost per click? I'm not going to get into it. I don't know. $6. Sounds good. So now we know our CPMs are good and we're, we're talking to people that are the right audience and we're getting ads in front of them. But for some reason, they're not clicking. So how many reasons can we think of as to why someone would be the right audience and be the right ad, but not clicking on the ad? So the answer usually is that you're simply not being persuasive enough in your ad copy. You know what's persuasive? Click here to learn more. That's pretty persuasive, right? That's like a good thing you could just add to your ad. So if you're not getting clicks, try to Show them that you want them to click, like including the end of the video, like click here to learn more or change the call to action button from buy now to sign up or learn more or something. Some little change like that will create a more persuasive language and will allow them to click to your ads, click to your landing pages. Okay, so now we have the cost per impression and the cost per click. We're moving on to number three, going fast now. So number three is time on site. Now, the way you track this is on Google Analytics. You have to set up Google Analytics. Please tell me you set up Google Analytics. I don't want to hear if you didn't. Don't tell me. <laughs> so you have Google Analytics set up and you're driving people to your landing page and your time on site is four seconds. So unless you have the shortest landing page in history, that's probably bad. Now, you're going to ask me the same question. What's a good time on site? Well, it really depends how long your website is. Do you have a 12-minute long video on your website? Because if you do, then a one-minute time on site is not good they're not watching your 12-minute video. Right. So you basically want to figure out, if I was a person scrolling on my website, how long do I think I would want to spend on that site to be convinced to fill out the lead form, right? right? If the answer is two minutes, I want an average above a minute because, again, average means 50%. So I want them to do at least 50% of that time. It means some people are doing it and some are not doing it. So the question is now, how do I increase my time on site? but you already have a bunch of questions answered. 
Are you targeting the right people? Yes. Are you giving them the right ad? Yes. Are you giving them persuasive language to move them to your landing page? Yes. So why would they not be interested in your landing page? Well, here's a few reasons. Your landing page has nothing to do with the ad that you targeted them on. So like you were telling them free trip to Bermuda and then they get to the landing page and it's like, well, if you buy our Facebook ads course, we're going to give a raffle away. And one of the thousand people that sign up for our $997 course by today will be entered to win a raffle for a a cruise. And they're just like, "Uh, I don't want a Facebook ads course. And this is nothing to do with the, like it does have to do with the cruise, but this is not what I came for. So they're out. So you have to make sure that your ad and your landing page align and talk about the same things. This is like where I see people like, let's send them to our homepage. You're sending people to your homepage. How are they possibly going to do the thing you want them to do if they're on your homepage? I have no idea. So you want to make sure the landing page is very clear about why they're there and how it connects to the, the, the ad. On top of that, there's all these things that I really don't want to get into because that's for another show that you should definitely do on landing page optimization, like making sure the headlines are great and good imagery and some like color rules about like red, the difference between red and orange. Yeah, it's really great to learn about like human psychology and colors. It's not for this, not for today though. So basically you do all that testing and you now have people spending 17 minutes on average on your website, right? A really great example of this is I I run ads for a company that does nutrition for crossfitters. And when I started working with them, they were like, oh, you know, you should talk to us because they're the number one site that does nutrition for crossfitters. And then I told them, well, what if you change it to, are you getting the most out of your crossfit workout? And just like, well, I hope so. I'm working out five days a week and I've been doing all this work and I really hope I'm getting, so like now they're like thinking like, what, maybe I'm not like, is something wrong here? And now they're going to read the page. And literally all we did was just change the headline on the page. And it, if I remember correctly, it was like, seven times longer on average on the site simply by changing the headline on the landing page. Okay, so we did CPM, CPC, and time on site. Now, grand finale, which is conversion rate. So now, again, you target the right people, you have the right ad in front of them, persuasive language to move them forward, and you're getting to spend time on your landing page. But they're not converting. Why? There's only two reasons. One, your offer is horrible. You're selling a $2,000 product and you're offering 2% off. Everyone is signing up. Everyone is interested. So your 2% sale or your free shipping thing, they don't care, right? They're the right audience and they're the right, like they care about this product, but you are not offering something that's worthwhile for them to sign up. Change, you know, try different eBooks, maybe try a course instead of a, a, you know, a PDF, whatever, all that testing that you do. The second reason is something I've noticed too often, which is what I call like, the HubSpot form. I don't know if anyone spends time on HubSpot, but they ask you a crazy number of questions. It's like, oh, what's your first name? What's your last name? What's your bank account information? What's the name of your head <laughs> goldfish? Like literally like dozens of questions that have no relevance whatsoever to your business. So Unbounce, which is like the greatest landing page creator in history, did a, did a survey and tried to figure out what, how many questions should you ask in your form? When they found that was that If you ask just one question, the average conversion rate is like 80%. If you ask two, it's 40%. If you ask three, it's 18%. And if you ask four, it's 10%. Wow. And the good news is that five, six, seven, 
also is 10%. So basically, the CEO of Unbounce suggests that if you're anyways going to ask four questions, you might as well throw a few more in at that point, just for good measure. But what that means is that if you get if someone gets to your landing page and you ask for their name and email and don't actually need their name, you're literally losing 50% of the people that would have converted because they don't want to have to write their name into the box, huh. right? And that goes on when you are now asking for their phone number and their birthday and their address, right? And as you get a longer form, less and less people are filling it out. So if you just take a step back and say, what information do I need from these people today that will get them to move one step further down my, I'm saying this one a lot, one step further down your funnel, all I need to do is ask them that question and that question only and move them on to the next step. That is the four major data points that I focus on Facebook ads. Boom. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Mic drop, knowledge bomb drops. Okay. So that was awesome. Okay. We're going to take a brain break. We're going to take a time out. And so today, our brain break, we've been, it's been, you know, related to the month so far. So okay. this brain break is what's your favorite holiday tradition you have hanukkah coming up starting on tuesday right so what uh it doesn't have to be Han- it, is, oh, hanukkah and it doesn't have Time to be differences no to show related you. to that yeah right <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have to be related to that holiday it could be any holiday so everybody i'll go with you first since you're unmuted <laughs> with me first yeah. my favorite holiday tradition oh gosh skip me come back i'm not uh, ready for this kind of commitment <laughs> all right Ladies. It's not a Facebook ads question. <laughs> that's, that's why we want we want to give everyone a, a minute to rest their noodle. So I can go. Yeah. Um, for our family, every Christmas Eve, we open new pajamas. It's always Christmas pajamas. We make hot chocolate and we watch the Polar Express. And that is every Christmas Eve. And that's my son has already pulled out the Polar Express box and has it sitting next to the television. And he's like all excited that he knows that in what, I don't know, we're the 29th. So 30 days or so, 25 days, somewhere in there that we'll be watching the Polar Express. Right on. What about you, Jen? I am going to do two. So I'll say the first one first because it makes me sound nicer. The first one (laughs) is doing the elf on the shelf. I love hiding the elves and making adorable scenes out of them. It's so much fun. But then I cannot neglect my other tied for first Christmas tradition, which is topping my tree with a chief's Santa hat. Okay. That's my mic drop moment. Go chiefs. Go chiefs. Go chiefs. (laughs) So mine is hard because I want to do something related to my family, but things that my family traditions are all like gone. Things are not what they used to be. So I'm going to go with San Diego holiday tradition. There's a festival in Balboa Park called December Nights. And basically it's just like a ton of different entertainment, different food and drinks and all decorated out, lights everywhere. And it's uh, always the first Friday and Saturday, December. So I'm really looking forward to that and making it a happy occasion. Usually for me, that's Is it this weekend. Take off for Christmas. No. The first Saturday, Sunday of this of December. I'm not well, sure if you know. Fri- Friday is the 30th. So technically uh, next Friday is the first Friday of December. So the 7th and 8th. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> all right. Do you have enough time to think one? Okay. So here's the issue. I moved from America, where my pa- my whole family was, like eight years ago. So we don't really have family traditions because I live 6,000 miles away from them. But, but you have your own family. Right. So we keep Shabbat, which is every Saturday, every Friday night, Saturday. And we eat normally eat every meal together. But it's just like every Saturday lunch, we sit together in the afternoon, which is not a thing that most people do. 
and just sit for like three hours and have lunch. There's really not much else to do except read books, basically. It's like, that's what Shabbat looks like. Right. So every Saturday, including the first Saturday that's not followed by a, sun, a Friday of December, we have like just family lunch on Saturdays. So that's like a pretty meaningful holiday uh, thing. Yeah. It's just every week though. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, and back in the olden days, we used to have Sunday dinner. So Sunday dinner was like the thing. Uh, like it, was, it was always the best dinner of the week. And that's when most of the family or as much of the family as possible. Sat down. Yeah. That's great. Okay. Back to the heady stuff. Out of the fluff and into the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, and this, I'm not asking you to predict the future, but just wondering if you have any thoughts on any big adjustments or changes being made within the paid ad space in, in general? Okay. Someone asked me this question earlier this week, and I usually have an answer. 2016, I had a great answer. 2017, I had a great answer. 2018, I had a great answer. So let's look back at the last few years. Snapchat came out. It was like the greatest thing ever. And now like no marketers are using Snapchat, right? So everyone like kind of expected this like reality, augmented reality, mixed reality thing. And none of that really happened. So here's where we are. There's live video. It's great. I have my own feelings about live video that we don't need to get into these days. Video is a very prominent thing on every platform. Literally LinkedIn rolled out stories. What's that? <laughs> but I kind of think like where we are right now is there's a handful of major platforms and no real competitor in the space in America, right? There's like plenty of like WeChat is way larger than you know, many of these platforms, but it's not, there's no really like major, I assumed you meant predictions in the US, right? That's yeah, right, something. Yeah. I mean, so like you have Facebook and you have Instagram and then you have YouTube, which I think is a social platform. They just added stories also because stories for everyone. WhatsApp has stories. And then you have, and then you have LinkedIn and you have Pinterest and Snapchat. That's really, it. is there anything else? I don't, I think there's no. a, I don't think, I got to six, but whatever. So there's six platforms and out of the six platforms, there's like two, good advertising platforms, right? The problem is that one of them is really cheap and the other ones are crazy expensive. Like LinkedIn, I think the average cost per click is like $10. Right. So YouTube, Google as a whole, competitive pricing, kind like way more competitive, like a dollar to $2 for click as opposed to like Facebook, that's like 27 cents a click, you know? I think that LinkedIn, I said this last year, so like weird. I think LinkedIn will like finally get their act together and just cut costs on ads. And the reason why they're going to do that is because they actually built out their own API, like Facebook and Google have an API to put on any website. So like you're scrolling through New York Times and you see an ad from Google. So LinkedIn now has that too with a Bing acts, you know, like Bing search, that thing that no one uses. So that- Bing owned by Microsoft will- Yeah, that. So LinkedIn has like this API with Bing and you could put ads on other platforms. And when that happens, it means that as opposed to just having the number of people that are scrolling through the LinkedIn feed to see ads, there's now much more opportunity for LinkedIn to have ads. And if that happens, it means that they have more places to put, which means they can charge less per click. And you now have an opportunity to get $1 clicks, I don't think about $5 clicks instead of $10 clicks. So I predicted this last year, and what they did was they made videos. Okay, so great. We have new videos now on LinkedIn. Amazing. But I do think that today, the only major competitor in the ad space of Facebook and Instagram is LinkedIn. And LinkedIn has just one choice to make, which is lower the cost of clicks to make it worth my while. Because if I have to pay 27 times more per click on LinkedIn than on Facebook, it'll be very difficult for me to justify that spend. So that's my 
like fingers crossed prediction on LinkedIn. Also, if you know any good LinkedIn ads courses, send them my way because I really need to learn it like yesterday. <laughs> no, that's smart. I think, well, and we just did a show on LinkedIn and I, I think they're making some big moves and I think you're you're probably right. I hope you're right. But I think they're doing a lot of other, they're making good changes with the yeah. pages, which is now just called pages and, and different things. So I didn't know. New group tools and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah. they're bringing back events. In LinkedIn, like why it ever left LinkedIn to begin with is beyond me. Yeah. Before my time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So as we all know here, social media marketing changes all the time. We talk about this all the time. In the Facebook ads space, how do you keep up with this? The secret is you spend money on Facebook and then you see what happens. I mean, that, that is, that is the answer. Unfortunately, like, okay, this is what I do. People ask me, do you use like these third party tools to run your Facebook ads? And I say, how could I do that? Because if, if I'm not on the ads manager, I don't see the changes. Does anyone know that they remove power editor from ad manager? Like they remove power. Editor, the whole thing is gone. It's not really true. They actually remove ad manager, but don't tell people because it's intimidating. So like if you're on ad espresso, you might not have even noticed he made this change. Did you know that the only way to add an email list to your ad account is if you have a business account? Would you have known that if you were using Ad Espresso? Maybe not. Did you know that they added campaign budget optimization so that instead of saying, I want to spend $10 an hour for every ad set, I could make five ads and just say, spend $50 a day. Facebook, you'll figure it out. And they will just optimize across all five of your or five to 10 ad sets that you make. And you have to do any work as far as picking the one to actually run the ads to. You know how I know those things? It's not because I read a blog. It's because I made Facebook ads and I saw that they added these new things and they always add these like nice little blue pop-ups to tell me that something's new. That's how you keep on top of it. You just hang out in Facebook ad manager and soon enough you'll notice, oh, they changed the square images last week. Who knew, right? So like that, that's really the way is just, you have to hang out there and you have to like come back tomorrow also because they'll probably change something again. <laughs> Daily for sure. <laughs> So, you know, oftentimes I hear from my clients that they feel that ads are just really expensive and that they don't have the budget to devote to that. And I know the answer to this, but what would you say to someone who just really doesn't, who is saying they don't have that budget? Save their money so I could spend more money on Facebook ads. Oh, no. (laughs) Okay. Usually that's the answer I tell people. It's really bad. No. We mentioned earlier today that there are these five audiences that know who you are and want to buy from you, but don't know that you have anything to sell. And it doesn't cost more than $100 a whole month to reach all all of those people, every one of those people. So don't. Do me a favor. Do not run any ads to look likes and interest and geo-targeting and who knows what's and layerings and you know friends of Facebook likes and friends of people that came to your event. Don't do any of that. Don't do it. Just spend 10 to $15 a day running to your five or six core audiences. Reach them test different ads, see what's work, what works for them, make money from your ads, and then take that money and spend it on targeting new and broader audiences. <laughs> that is absolutely awesome. I love that. She's on mute, so overwhelmed. We're winding down here. So just want to, just a couple more questions. What is your number one goal for your business in 2019. Have you set that yet? So I actually set it on my birthday, May 21st. You can get me any present you want. I'll send you my address. It'd be great. Okay. I set it a goal last year for my 29th birthday. I helped three people make a million dollars. 
Okay. So my goal for this year, which I'm kind of like running out of time already, it's almost May, is to help 10 business owners make a million dollars. Wow. So that's the goal. Fingers crossed. And uh, that's it. And, and then just give like as much stuff away for free as I do it. Like literally everything for free. I don't know. Like give my course away. Give like my best tips away. Everything. Just I give it all away. So that's it. And if I don't make them, and my favorite thing is like, someone comes to me and is like, I use your tip and I made money. I'm kind of mad. They don't have to pay me money just yeah. to help me, to, to, for me to help them make money. I want to help as many people grow their business using Facebook ads. That's it. And where are you? Do you know how many? Well, this weekend we did $87,000 for a client that I've already helped do 300000 for. So I'm not sure if I can count them twice, but I'm, we'll count it twice. Black right. Friday is a good, Black Friday is my favorite holiday. Okay. <laughs> are are your um a lot of your clients in the US? A lot of my clients are everywhere. Okay. Thailand, oh. Portugal, Israel, California, New Jersey, and everywhere in between. Not yet Kansas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, we're all good here. Okay. We got we got this covered. <laughs> and they're finding you via Facebook ads, right? They are actually finding me organically because I make way too many videos online and you can't avoid me anymore because I'm everywhere. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, Jules, do you have one more question you want to ask him before we wrap it up? We do. So um, what piece of advice or education would you be most likely to give to clients when it comes to developing their Facebook ad strategy? Okay, well, we need to define this question. Are they the business owner trying to answer trying to run Facebook ads for themselves? Yes. That's a dumb idea. That's my advice. Like, if you're a business owner, you have a lot of things to do. Like, I'm a business owner. I have a lot of things to do, right? Imagine if you added like a 40-hour-a-week job to that description. That's what Facebook ads is. So like, if you're a business owner and you're like, I'm going to just test this Facebook thing out, hire an intern. Like, it doesn't have to be someone, you don't have to like, oh, we're ready to pay $3,000 a month. Here we go. Like, no, kid out of college and just say like, I have no idea what I'm doing. You have no idea what you're doing. But guess what? My time is worth more than your time because I'm the boss. I work, I make the money here. So you're going to hire someone out of college or in college or something. And you're going to say, hey, let's your rest give away his entire Facebook ads course for free because that's a smart thing to do. And you should go watch it. And then you'll know how to do Facebook ads and you'll run my Facebook ads for 10 to $15 a day and you'll make money and then we'll go from there. So like if you're a business owner, like learn what an ad set is and then stop learning. Like that's basically like, yeah. This goes to my thing on punting. <laughs> that's sorry. it. I'm that sorry. someone else should do the work. Yeah, I like that. I like that answer. All right. So one final question and then we'll we'll let you go to bed because it's it's late there. What is your what's the number one kind of what's your tech gadget app something that you're geeking out on these days? Okay. So I make a lot of videos online if you somehow didn't realize that at this point. And the what I do is I walk home from dropping my kid off at daycare, which is like a three to six minute, uh, like four minute walk from my house. And what I would do is I take my phone. I got this like pop socket thing. If anyone doesn't know what these are. And I would walk down the street and I would record. And everyone says, you know, your screen is really wobbly. And I go, no, it's actually my hand that's really wobbly. So luckily, a friend of mine was like, you know, I got one of these extra, like, I wish people could see this because this is the best part. But my friend got me this little doohickey called a gimbal, and it makes me look 
much better than I actually look in real life because it's not shaky. Right. So if you don't have a great friend that will give it to you for free, you should find one. Otherwise, you should pay $150 because that's how much they cost. And you should get it. And then you can just put your phone inside and run a 4K beautiful video that looks like you're like, you know, like biking down some, you know, like all those Red Bull videos, like, like the guy like riding down like some mountain. That's how you look in every video. It's great. I bought one and Julie tried to help me. The thing is, it won't stabilize. So it totally defeats the purpose. So you ready for the trick? You I, open up the phone, you turn off Bluetooth, you force close the app, then you turn back on Bluetooth and you put it back inside and then try again. If you don't force close the app, it will never catch. So like if something's funny happening, which happens every so often, every couple of days it'll happen, you just take it out of the thing, you turn off the Bluetooth, you like turn it on and off a few times, you force close the app and you try again. The thing that holds the phone, it won't go set vertical or set horizontal it. It moves. It won't tighten. Anyway, Julie tried to help me, but it's all good. Oh. <laughs> it's not buy, time to buy a new one. Christmas is coming up. Put it on the wish list. Okay. So, <laughs> Azrael, is yours the Osmo? It is the DJI Mobile 2. Okay. I got it as a gift. I don't know names. <laughs> I put it's you on the spot. My okay. new friends like Mobile. Yeah. Me too. He's sponsored by B&H, so he like got an iPad for free last week. Wow. Like, so, so you want to introduce us all? All right. So we've come to the end. It always goes fast. You did so amazing in helping it stay very understandable and relatable. And even my eyes did not gloss over once. So that's always a good sign. <laughs> weird. That's really the trick. That's it. <laughs> so thank you, Osreel. And we wish you happy holidays. Thank you. And Thanks to our guest co-hosts, Julie Riley and Jen Cole. You guys are amazing. And this has been episode 27 of Making a Marketer. And we will catch you next week.